Curiosity. What are you so curious about? Everything. Mr. Curiosity. Alrighty, folks. Snedeker here, otherwise known as Mr. Curiosity, at least for this podcast. And uh, I just confirmed I'm with an old friend. <laughs> Not that old. Hey, Dr. Laurie. Hi, it's good to see you, Joe. Yeah, I had to make sure that we're still friends because after a certain <laughs> amount of time, uh, things go away, things change, things well, you de- know, evolve. I, I have a rule. I keep my friends for a long time, Joe. Just because oh, we get it. busy and stuff happens, I never feel like I can't come back and see an old friend. So there you go. <laughs> All right. Well, once I started thinking of interesting people for my podcast, you've been on my list for a long time. Well, thank but you. Then, yeah, the the COVID hit and things were on hold, but then yeah, I started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the excuses, John. No, I no. Know. Oh, yeah. Well, listen, based on your resume, I don't have anyone more important than you. <laughs> you're very nice. That's not true, but you're very nice. <laughs> listen, listen to this, folks, just so you know what a big shot we have here. Dr. Lori, who celebrity antique appraiser on the History Channel, on TV's Today Show, Anderson Cooper Live, Comedy Central's The Daily Show with Jon Stewart, NBC's The Tonight Show, Inside Edition, Lifetime Television, PhD in Art History, PhD Antiques Appraiser. Dr. Lori has written 30 books. She contributed to a blog in Lifetime Television. Blah, 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 blah. She present- Thank you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she- I was waiting for the blah, blahs. You know, yeah, right she- already. You present 150 <laughs> events a year. That's almost every other day. I can't take this anymore. I'm intimidated by you. <laughs> you are not intimidated at all. <laughs> I, I had, I, my mother said, be grateful. My father said, do what you love and get on with it. So we got on with it is what it is. You know, oh my and then I goodness. met people like you and we did home and backyard and, you know, I was, I- and, you know, a million different things. And, uh, uh, my friends at WNEP, and I was fortunate enough, really, when I started the whole, you know, Dr. Lori Antiques Appraisal Tour, you know, the comedy show, uh, it started in Northeastern Pennsylvania, in large part, you know, in places like Bloomsburg and, and well, State College, because I went to Penn State. And, of course, you know, we did it at, at Lucerne Community College and in Nanticoke and, and uh, what was it, Tunkhannon and, and Allentown, all over. So Northeastern Pennsylvania. I've taught at Wilkes for a long time too. I've I continued that. You talk about old friends. I started that early. I've been doing that for I don't know twenty years. I'm gonna <laughs> so, have you to, know. I'm gonna have to add that to your resume. See, you have new additional stuff. Well, here's the, I have additional <laughs> stuff. There's old stuff I forgot to put on. You know. <laughs> I think I I might be the only interview that you've done that I blatantly admit to you I have no interest in antiques or art history at all. <laughs> okay, there you go. You know, you'd be surprised how scientific art history is. Oh, I know. I know. But my interest in you is you. You are a fun, vibrant, intelligent person. And I know a lot of people are interested in what you have to say. So uh, I thought we'd start and do this. But one thing I have to say for you right now, let's start by the year you emerged on planet Earth. Where was it and who was it? Not that you have to give your age, but I want to start at the beginning. Where did you come from? I'll be happy to give my age. I don't care about any of that stuff because I think as we get older, we just get better. Um, I was born in a blizzard in January. Actually, it was January the 11th in 1965. Oh, so Um, see, this is good. We're right about the same age, which is we can relate. We can relate. And where was this? I grew, I was born in New Haven, Connecticut. 
to a World War II combat medic from the Pacific father. And um, my mother stayed at home. She was a homemaker. Um, and they didn't have opportunities to go to college. So they wanted myself and my sisters to go. I have two sisters. And go we did. I have another sister who also has a PhD and another sister has an MBA. So university and schooling was a big deal in our house. And we lived in, in, a, in a neighborhood of our all my family lived around us. My mother's sisters lived around us. My grandmother lived around us. It was the whole Italian clan thing, you know. <laughs> uh, it was that, definitely that. And I'm and guessing this was right like, across the street. I bet it was a little small house with one bathroom, too. Uh, well, there were there was a bathroom and a, and a, pro, a powder room. <laughs> so okay. we had the powder room, so there weren't too many arguments with three daughters, right? <laughs> three girls trying to get ready. Uh, but yeah. So, uh, but yes, it was, it was modest beginnings. Definitely. Yeah. So did your dad have uh, like uh, World War II stories? Did he have any interest in, um, in my, my dad, not, my dad collected everything and my mother threw it all out. That right? <laughs> That's how it went. Get he would bring here. it in. He loved flea markets and yard sales and this and that. And um, my mother would oftentimes say to him, because I was the youngest of three and I was one of those later ba in life babies. And she would say, take that little one somewhere, take her anywhere, because I'm the youngest. And she was just like, she's talking and asking questions and I'm so tired. My poor mother, God bless her. And um, my father would take me to yard sales and baseball games and uh, flea markets. And I learned about tools and, you know, whatever it might be. So we had a lot of fun, but, um, you know, they were the greatest generation. So my parents were much older than the parents of many of my friends. Because, I was going to say, know, my dad was uh, almost uh, in, in, um, uh in Korea, but World War II, come on, he must have been ancient when he made you. Yeah, yeah. My father was, uh, what, 44 when I was born? Whoa, that's um, an old dude. That's an old dude. Yeah, so he had already <laughs> you know, served in the service and all and yeah. uh, played professional baseball. He played for the New York Yankees uh, teams as well as the uh, uh, Phillies organization. Yeah, so um, when he got back, yeah. So very interesting, but so yeah, it's kind of cool. So yeah, there was a blizzard, <laughs> and then I emerged. There you go. <laughs> so when you were in high school, was uh, like that your interest all along? Did you know? Did you say this is it? I'm art. I'm antiques. I, I no, want the history of things no. or not. History was my interest because I had a wonderful teacher in high school who said, uh, who 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 made it as if it was about people and not battles. And I've taught this when I taught at Penn State and when I taught at Muhlenberg and and when I've taught at other universities. Uh, that history is the study of people as opposed to the studies of dates and wars. So when you think of it that way, it was very interesting to me. Um, I was a swimmer, so I was always sort of underwater in high school and college. Um, I swam and was able to get scholarships and such for swimming. Um, but history was there. But at that time, because this is the late 80s when I graduated college, um, it was everybody's going to be a lawyer. So I spent my 15 minutes in law school and hated it. And so oh, oh really? <laughs> yeah. But what so were the you, history like, majors typically do that. But why were you thinking this is what I do for big money or this is what I do to be a big quote unquote success? I mean, why would well, you? Well, I wanted to make my parents proud. That's oh. all I really cared about. I wanted to make my really? parents proud. I wanted, I wanted, of course, history to be something because I thought it was interesting people. I would, I knew that I had good connections. Like I knew I could make good interpersonal connections. My dad yeah. was like that. Too. My mom was like that too, actually. Um, so I liked people. I liked being around people. It didn't bother me at all. You know, I wasn't shy. One of my sisters, you might consider her a little more shy than I. Um, but uh, 
yeah, so that was that, blah, blah, blah. Went to law school. Oh, gosh, who wants to do that? God bless the lawyers. I would never want to do that. Uh, and then art history came. I was I grew up, as I said, near New Haven and um, Yale. So I got a peon job. It was a peon job, you know, moving stuff at Yale um, as a as a museum educator. Right. Where so I would do the walk, the tour of all the artwork. Through wait, wait, so so this is with a bachelor's degree art history. Right. This is where you just no. I have oh. a bachelor's degree from the University of Michigan and I are at Ann Arbor. In but wait, how'd you go history. from New England to Michigan? You're skipping stages here. How, how did that happen? <laughs> back, backstroke, backstroke, backstroke. <laughs> yeah. So I went to Michigan, freezing cold. <laughs> you thought everyone's like, oh, New England. It wasn't that cold. Michigan's colder. Let me. Tell oh, you. God. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, That was cold. Um, so I went to school in Ann Arbor and then uh, went home and I got a master's degree at Wesleyan, which is Middletown, Connecticut, Wesleyan University. And then while I was there, I was working at the Yale Art Gallery because I always worked through school. So I was not the kid who just somebody wrote a check. I was the kid who you had to have 12 jobs. <laughs> so, you yeah, know. But, but I'm still curious. Why do you go to Michigan? Why do you go 500 miles west, 600 it was miles? An op- it was an opportunity with respect to that issue of, of course, you know, having them pay for part of it. Oh, uh, so, I see. Yeah. So then, um, <laughs> so then I did that. I got a master's at Wesleyan. I was working at the Yale Art Gallery. I was doing walking tours um, through the museum. And then... Uh, and then Penn State invited me to come out to Penn State. And I, I to this day, I love Penn State. I love. And that's where you I got love, your PhD. I love Happy Valley. Penn, that's where I got my PhD. So with the with the whole Yale art thing, um, are you are you strutting around like a highbrow snooty, the pinkies up with your art skills? I mean, come on. You know how that's perceived. No, no. And I think a little if anybody bit. watches my YouTube channel or anybody watches me. I, I've been very blessed. People have said, you know, you bring it down to our level. I know. That's why I love you. That's why I love you. (laughs) Well, you know, that level is my level. People are like, oh, well, she was brought up in, you know, highbrow and all this stuff. I wasn't. (laughs) And I wanted to understand it. And I wanted people to understand it. I, you know, the same way I say, you know, I want people to succeed and I want you to get it. I want you to get it because it's very interesting. And people, people love art, antiques, and collectibles. You may not, but people love it. <laughs> they love it. It's heirlooms. It's about grandma. It's telling the stories of our culture. It's fascinating. And I have to say that I've been very, very lucky to be able to lecture on cruise ships and, and talk about art in the finest museums in the world, the Louvre, the Hermitage in St. Petersburg, Russia. I mean, I've been all over the world talking about art. I've been very, very, very lucky. My mother would say, yeah, be grateful. And yeah, I really am. I've been lucky. Yeah, that's excellent. And and you um, you have to admit, though, to go back to what I said earlier, why do you think it is that the art world, a lot of what you do when you see these people on TV or you meet them at galleries, it looks like they have a two by four stuck up their rear end. Why Why do you think that is? I mean, what I think that there you know, I grew up I grew up as an as an adult you know, a young adult in museums. So my first museum job was at the Allentown Art Museum. My first, well, my first job was at Yale. But then yeah. after the Yale Art Gallery, I got a job um, at the Allentown Art Museum, which is a beautiful, wonderful place. Okay. And I think a lot of times with respect to the arts, there's a lot of, there's a whole language that they want, you know, art historians to learn that they don't <laughs> want everybody else to learn. They want you kind of at arm's length, like don't get too close to the paintings because we don't oh, know okay. if you've got something sticky on your hands, you know? <laughs> so, Maybe that starts um, the elitism. That starts. Uh, it does start elitism. And what happens is when people start to understand what art history is really all about, it really is all about, and some of the most popular art is the art that is made just for every man, you know, 
Rembrandt's art was made for every man. You know, Monet's art was made for every man. It wasn't made for the highbrow. It was made for the lower and middle classes. And uh, people don't always know that. But I think a little bit of that is we want it to be an elite sort of place. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, I, I've written books on the abstract expressionists. I think the Pollocks and those guys wanted a little bit more of that elitism. Oh, you don't understand yeah, yeah, yeah. my three, you know, my three <laughs> swirls and a dot. You don't get it, you know, but. You get it. You get it. If you if you knew the rest of it, you get it. No, I got to tell you this story. Um, I I went to college in 1984 as a meteorology major at Millersville University. Sure. So the very <laughs> first course I have to take, guess what it is? Art history. They so want I, you to develop visual skills, probably. Well, you know, it was the, an elective that they threw me in. So would you okay. believe that still stands as one of my favorite courses of all time? <laughs> I had a professor named Ike Hay. I can still tell you about structural functionalism, Lichtenstein's, the pointillism. Yeah. yeah. I, I loved it. I loved it all. And See, that's uh, wonderful. Yeah. And that's 35 years ago. And I still remember all that. So I was kidding around when I said I have no interest, but it is a wonderful subject you have. But I, yeah, I love all that it, stuff. It is. It's a wonderful subject. It's interesting. It's it, it speaks about people in a particular time period, how they lived, what they did. Um, you know, I can't draw you a stick figure. So to me, I mean, I'm not someone who went from studio art into art history. You know, mine was only oh, in, right. in, the, in the history of it, you know, the so, time period. And such. So when you're in your 20s and you're doing this, did you think mm-hmm. this is it forever? Because I'm sure you weren't this big mm-hmm. shot that you are now. How did it get to that point? Well, like, what no, I was not know? this big shot. Um, <laughs> I... You know, in my no, in my twenties, I my concerns were, you know, things like well, what everybody's concerns are, right? You want to get through school, you don't want to have huge loans, which we all have huge loans, right, yeah. from college. Um, you know, I wanted to continue. Um, I was good at school, so I wanted to stay in school, right? So yeah. I wasn't so like, oh, I got to get a job immediately because I had a million different little jobs. It was just so you know, but. So in my 20s, did I know that this was it? I knew that art history was of interest to me. I liked museums. I was shocked at how little museum curators made. I was like, oh, I like this, but this is not going to be very lucrative here. (laughs) It just um, sounds good. Curator. I'm a curator. It sounds good, good, but you better get ready to eat some oatmeal, you know? (laughs) Um, Let me think what else there was. So, yeah, I mean, once I found it, I knew that I would continue to do it. I did expect to stay in university teaching rather than move into appraisals. So I did not expect to be an appraiser. Um, but as a museum person, one of the big questions you get is how much is this worth? Can you, can you tell me how much this is worth? I mean, I yeah. got that question like every other day. So I thought, well, maybe I should figure this out. So um, the appraisal situation came at Allen, at the Allentown Art Museum, actually, while I was a curator there. And that's the I, kind uh, of thing that's that seems to me is very subjective. That's why I can't put my scientific brain on. Whereas you're when you when you value something, it's so subjective. It's not in a way scientific, but yet it is. That's the problem I have. Okay. Well, maybe I could solve this problem for you. When I evaluate something, um, I don't see it as subjective for this reason. It's based on a sales record where a similar piece has sold. But what if there's only one? If there's only one, then you go by that one and then you go by others that are actually related to it, right? 
So the, the Chanel lipstick is 40 bucks, right? And others are 40 bucks, which is ridiculous, right. but it is. So it's 40 bucks. Uh, and then basically what you do is you say, okay, well, I have to have make sure that somebody bought it for that. Did somebody fall for I'm paying 40 bucks for the Chanel lipstick? Yeah, right? So there's the example. As long as you have the, the comparable sales record, the difference with appraisers is you don't want your appraiser to also be your buyer. So the person who appraises it, telling you what it's worth should not be the person who's making you an offer, right? Classic and a lot of conflict say, of interest, right? Classic. <laughs> but you know what? The appraisers have been, you know, able to sort of skirt that for a while. So um, mine started because I was at the Allentown Art Museum. I was a curator of education there. So I was the person who organized and uh, put the content or curriculum together for the little school kids who would go to the museum, right, on a field trip. Uh, in Allentown. And we had something called Curator's Clinic, which meant the public could come in and ask us about something that they liked, right? So maybe it was a family heirloom or something. And one afternoon, the head curator, lovely woman, who now runs the 92nd Street Y, what lovely woman said, uh, Lori, I have to go and pick up my child. She's ill at school. Can you take over Curator's Clinic for me? And I said, sure. That meant that I was going to talk to whoever came in from the community with okay. whatever object they came in. And I'm supposed gotcha. to tell them what it is. Right. It's a conflict of interest for museum curators to talk about value. So I didn't talk about value. This woman comes in and she says, I want to talk to you about an object that I sold to an appraiser. Now I'm a curator. I'm, I don't know. I'm what, 30 years old. I just have my new PhD. I'm 30 and I'm sitting in Allentown. Yeah, yeah, and she yeah. says, I want to tell you about this piece that I, um, that I sold to an appraiser. He gave me he gave me $50 for it. So I said, oh, okay, $50. I'm thinking, what could this be? Right. So she says, it was an old newspaper. I said, okay. She said, it had a famous person's obituary in it. I said, okay. So I said, well, describe it to me. I'm thinking it's the morning call newspaper. It's got John F. Kennedy's obituary in it. I'm not thinking it's really much of anything. Okay. I'm thinking 50 bucks. It's not bad, right? She goes, well, I paid the electric bill with this because I didn't know what to do and I had to pay the electric bill. So this woman needed this 50 bucks. Yeah. Well, tell me about the newspaper. She said, well, it's that funny parchment paper. Like that funny parchment paper. Whose obituary was in your newspaper? She said, George Washington's. Come on. Wow. From, seven, from 1799, she sells this newspaper, came down in her family. She sells it to a guy who gives her 50 bucks. So I get on the phone. Do you remember when we didn't have voicemail? <laughs> <laughs> well, in the Allentown Art Museum, we didn't have voicemail. Yeah, you yeah. had to talk to somebody, you had to walk to their office and tell them something and leave a note. Anyway, so um, I get on the phone and I call around to, you know, other curators and my colleagues and friends. And I find out that a uh, one of the 20 newspapers that announced Washington's death in December of 1799, is sold to a major museum for fifty thousand dollars. One of twenty. And it was, and it was one, yeah, and it was purchased from an Allentown, Pennsylvania oh, appraiser. Man. And I'm sitting with this woman. She's about seventy-five years old. She could have been my mother. And I'm thinking, she didn't know. The appraiser didn't tell her. And we have to do better. Right. The morality of that person took advantage of. It's a scammer. That's like a like a. It's like a so, cheap now I'm 30, spot. so I think everything is great. Rose-colored glasses. I don't realize, you know, I'm naive, right? Yeah. So I think, well, you know what we can do? We could take curator's clinic and we can put it into the auditorium and we could make a weekly bring your stuff to the Allentown Art Museum and we'll raise some money for the kids for the education program because I'm thinking of my program. 
it needs money, right, to, to help the kids to come into the museum for the field trip. So this is how it starts. That starts Dr. Lori's antique appraisal comedy tour because I have a little <laughs> bit of you know, and that's how it starts. And was that rare? Like, was that rare? Was anyone else doing something like that? That was six months before Antiques Roadshow. No, get out of here. It was. It was. And they've done a good job, of course, of making people aware of museums and helping them to look at their objects. Of course, kudos to them. But that's what it was. So and then I started, which is 150 dates. And I've been traveling. I started that in 1998. And I've been doing that tour well up until COVID. Right. And then now we're, of course, coming back to the live shows and everything. But uh, from 1998 to 2020. So what does that involve? You find a, a, a college, university, community college, and you book No, no, not or... anymore. It's not that anymore, because as you said, I'm a big shot. So now <laughs> they invite me. <laughs> they invite me to these big events. You know, I headline the largest home show in the country every year. Well, what do you mean, they? So I, I don't understand what you mean. There has to be an event, like a home and garden show in Cincinnati or something, and they know of you and they say, come here and do this. Exactly. Oh. Right. And of course, they will contract me to come there and do that. I did the NEP Home and Garden Show, and I did that event. You probably remember, very well attended. So I, I've done that for years. And of course, it builds and builds and builds and doesn't hurt with the History Channel and the Curse of Oak Island and all the other TV stuff. So people know me and, you know, um, so but, and they- I've never bought or sold anything. A lot of appraisers will get involved in the buying and selling. And I said, no, we're going to be honest about this. I'm going to tell you I've met America. I've seen their heirlooms. It's been a ball. It's a fun time <laughs> to learn and see these great things. So, and to so, talk to these people and, and hear their stories and, you know, and to be able to be, you know, here, um, you know, interviewed by you with your nice WNEP stocking cap. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> hey, not only that, look what's behind it. I got my pierogi head made by Jay Vondere, local artist. That's me. Nice. nice. I like so, it. I got some art in here. I'm more well, curious. I've appraised some, I've appraised some Joe Snedeker collectibles too. I want you all to know. <laughs> For example, now, not only my Go Joe 10 t-shirt, which of course I purchased, but. The bobblehead? I, be, I don't have a bobblehead, but I did have the, the actual, you know, I think you're one of the only three people who actually have their own candy bar. You know, yes, like Reggie yes. Jackson, Babe Ruth, and you, Joe. I still have a moldy <laughs> one in my uh, cabinet, right? What's the value? Two bucks? Of- there's a couple of them out there that I've appraised during in-home appraisals, too, you know. All it, all it would take for me is, is to become an axe murderer, and then the value of everything goes up, right? Correct? Straight up, yeah. <laughs> become a famous axe murderer, and that will happen. But um, And now we do many appraisals through video calls, you know. Well, here now I have to... I have to worry about being rude, but I'm curious. And this is the Mr. Are you really worried, Joe? I don't think you're that worried about that. No, I'm a little bit. I am. All right. So, (laughs) so if you're invited to some show, let's just say in Cincinnati again, Yes. they say, they say what they're going to set up the auditorium. They're going to set up the tables. You just show up and then people bombard you. Is this lucrative? No, it's not bombarded. I'm not bombarded. Okay. You know, I'm a teacher first, kids. So everybody's going to stay in line. So basically what happens is it's done in theater seating. So it's like, it's a show. Okay, so it's very organized. Very organized. Yeah, there's none of this waiting in line and standing around. It's none of that. It's it's a show. So they put their objects up on a table in front of me and I go through the objects. You can see it on my YouTube channel. You know, you can see it in many different places. And I've been able to do this all over the world and even on cruise ships. Well, does anyone brought their objects? Yep. Does anyone screen the the junk that's going to be on that table or no? Like, because it doesn't no. have to be worthy. If you think your object is important, I think your object is important, and I can teach you as much from the junk as I can from the great Monet. 
I love, yeah, but I bet you're, because you're, this is the beauty of you. I bet you're honest and fun and you'll be like, okay, this has no value next, right? I mean, you, should, you have to do that. Yes. You're not going to exactly, patronize people. That's exactly what it looks like. Well, I do my teasing, my fair share of teasing. You know, <laughs> but yes. Um, but people like that. I've been introduced on a, more than one occasion of, Dr. Lori's here. She's going to praise your stuff, make fun of you, and you're going to like it. Oh. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> I like your style, but is it, I imagine you're like a, like a rock band touring. So is it five grand, 10 grand per appearance? You, I know I'm not, see, that's too it's rude, more. But. It's more than that. Oh, wow. Very, oh my goodness. You are the biggest shot I know then. <laughs> I think Blue Oyster you know, Cult only gets seven grand to play Penn's Peak. Come on. I want to tell you that it's, Don't fear it's, the reaper. Very, it's a lot of fun. It's again, and it's, you know, you have to be able to do it. Right. So it's not only, oh, I know what all the values are and I know what all the objects are, because people always think about value. But really, you have to be able to correctly identify something. Yeah, and sometimes yeah, yeah. these things are like the 80 BC mascara jar that could have been used by Cleopatra. I've seen that. You know, or maybe it's, you know, I had I had um, a jar with a piece of hair in it. And this guy says it's Napoleon's hair. I'm like, come on. How do you prove that? Yeah. You know, yeah. so you got to have sort of uh, the provenance for me, too. So. But yeah, we have we have a lot of fun, uh, but big, big events are a lot of fun. I will also say that some and many of the things were done free for charity. Um, I'm very proud of being part of the auxiliary of St. Joseph's Center. I'm one of those ladies. I don't do much, but I do, of course, write that, that check because I think those people are doing good jobs. They're awesome. They're awesome. They're awesome. Um, you know, even on the days when we're not having the big, you know, event, the big festival on, on uh on Mary Woods campus. I mean, you know, all, all year long. So, um, I like them a lot. And, uh, what else do I do? I, I try to, I like to help kids who are ill. So I, I do that. Um, but how many, but, of these, you know, how many of these events do you have a year then appraisal events to come 150, with? we 150 dates a year, roughly since 1998. I can't believe so. So I'm on uh, the road all the time. I mean, when I recognize my home in Bucks County, when I drive up to it and I go, oh yeah, that's where I live. You know, I'm happy. <laughs> but, but yeah, Lori, no, there's I'm so, on, I've been on the road a long time. But I know human beings are all different, but everyone I have interviewed, or if I listen to other podcasts with, again, rock stars, performers, singers, they say the worst part is the road. And here you're saying you embrace that. You must, you must on a Monday when you have to drive or fly or get on a bus say, oh God, <laughs> Well, I think it's a little different for me because I'm single. Okay? Okay. So I think it's a little different for me because I'm not thinking, oh, I'm worried about, did somebody pick up Joey at soccer? Okay. <laughs> or, right, you know, right. what is my husband thinking? That kind yeah. of thing. So there's that. Um, the other thing I would say is um, I've, been, I've met so many wonderful people. You know, when somebody says, you know, what's Salt Lake like? I know because I've, <laughs> you know, I've been a lot of places, you know, yeah. so that's kind of a cool thing. Um, I do love art and I do love sports and people would say, you love sport. I love sports. So when I'm in a city, I find the baseball stadium and I okay, go to the baseball it. game, you know? So I don't make it only about all these objects. Um, and so it's even like a I, continual vacation in a way. Well, I've, yeah, like I said, I've seen a lot of places now, of course I get tired like anybody else, yeah. you know, but, um, you know, I, and. I, the thing I, I will say, I have to do very more early morning TV hits, you know, because it's all about media and getting people to the events because the event is more than just me kind of thing. So, um, you know, those are early. 
But well, wait a minute. Now that brings me to my next questions then. Here okay. we go. It's like I so, miss being in the backyard with you. Uh, well, no, because I'm comparing it to give us some gossip on all these places, these networks that we're all familiar with or people you've met. The Today Show, the History Channel, Anderson Cooper. Come on, give us some dirt. What's it like? Anderson Cooper's eyes are so blue. You wouldn't <laughs> believe it. I mean, they're, they're bluer than my sweater. They're so blue. And a nice guy, a smart guy, um, interested in a lot of different things, Anderson. Um, well, what's the prep like? Is it a big deal? Like show up at nine and then they take you to a makeup room and then there's some guy. Yeah, saying, I mean, look at this face. They got to make it look camera ready, you know? <laughs> oh, come on. You know what I mean? Or is it like, oh, just come on here next. All right. Bye. Well, like it depends. You know, it, it, it very much depends, you know, and it's changed a lot. Um, it's changed a lot where it used to be formal makeup rooms and, and you know, producers, you know, yeah. you and all yeah. of that to now what it is now, which is so like, let's go, let's go. Everything's faster. And then you better be makeup ready when you show up. So it's changed a lot in 20 years. I mean, I've been on TV more than 20 years. Oh, that's interesting. So you've seen that it becomes more uh, fast paced, you're saying, and in and out. Yes. I remember when, you know, the robotic cameras, you know, and I go, I jump because the camera starts moving, you know, in front of you, yeah. you know, I mean, you know, this stuff, I, maybe your, your viewers don't know it as well, but um, you know, when all of that kind of stuff <coughs> changed with, with, of course, the changes in technology. So um, I'm oh. very, very happy about all the changes with respect to everybody's come up because, you know, grandparents had to talk to their grandkids during lockdown. Everybody came up to video conferencing and being comfortable with zoom and this. Kind right. Of thing. Yeah. So I think that's great. How about so other people? Day? I mean, I've met, I met so many people, uh, you know, uh, I've met some of my heroes, <laughs> you know, um, I'm a very big New York Yankees fan. Cause my father of course played for them. Um, so I love them. You know, I've been on TV with Sherman Burdett <laughs> in Indianapolis early. We just got him three podcasts ago. Yeah. How, how is and he going? Great. Huh? He's a great guy. And, uh, He's, of course, on the Fox station in Indy. And, you know, where is Sherman? <laughs> you know, and then I show up and I think people go, hey, they seem to know each other. You so know? did he look you up because of the 16 connection, WNEP or no? Like it was just happened to be. Anyway. I was a, I was appearing and he was covering the event that I was appearing. At. Oh, so it would have happened anyway. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, interesting. So that was <laughs> fun. You know, so that happens, you know, serendipity. A lot of folks who come together. How about um, History Channel gossip? Well, the Curse of Oak Island is fantastic. It's yeah. wonderful, terrific. And if, I know everybody watches it and you should. The Lagina brothers are as nice as you would think. Like they come off as two nice guys. They are two nice guys. Is that right? Um, yeah. Rick Lagina is just lovely. Marty's a good guy. Um, I love being part of that show. I've enjoyed, of course, my time doing that. Uh, and they find some interesting stuff. The longest running treasure hunt on record. You know, I talk about treasure hunting all the time. And that that's really a fun show. Oak Island is a beautiful place. If you have a chance to get there, uh, you fly into Halifax. And I went through, of course, customs, you know, and nobody wants anybody to know you're going to Oak Island. So, you know, yeah, yeah. the customs officer and I'm thinking, I got to say I'm going to Oak Island because I'm a lousy liar. So I'm going to tell her, you know, and the custom <laughs> officer like, what are you doing? Why are you here? And I'm like, well, I'm Dr. Lori and I'm kind of going to Oak Island. <laughs> and I remember it was all hush, hush. And then the, um, it's hush hush. They pick me up at the airport and 
the limo driver goes, it says right on the thing, Dr. Lori, like nothing's hush hush. Everybody knows what's going on, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, we want to keep it quiet that you're coming. I'm like, you're not going to keep anything quiet. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, that's part right. of probably the, the mystique and the charm of the whole thing. Don't you think a little bit? Maybe? Yeah. I mean, it's been, it, it's, it's a beautiful place. It's a wonderful story. Um, you know, and of course, knowing all the background and the history and be able to, to, of course, give that information is helpful. I can't really say much more because I signed something called an NDA. Ooh, okay, okay. Stop so I can't give that. you any background or, or what I know is happening or any of that, which is called a non-disclosure agreement. That's the lawyers, right? Who I big shot. Be. Here's the big shot stuff coming out again. So, you know, I can't really say what I know or what you want me to tell you, but you know, no, you've given- show, it's a great show. No, you've given me enough. I love it. Now, a show that a lot of folks like, and uh, this is kind of the, the the Burger King version of a fancy restaurant, you're the fancy restaurant, is Pond Stars. Why are people attracted to that? I love it. And I don't. I can't get away. Why is that? I think all those shows are very popular. I think you can't get away because it's all about stories and real people. And that's why my my tour is so popular, because I let those people tell their stories. It's not only about Dr. Lori's here, you know, it's yeah. about their stories. And I think that's why. Auction Kings on Discovery, you know, where I was the appraiser there, that was a similar type of show where you would basically see how the auction goes. What's the story behind it? You know, I appraised Thomas Jefferson's writing desk on Auction Kings. Really? Yeah. I mean, fantastic. And the producers, well, the floor director didn't want to do it because he was 12. You know, he's 12, you know, and he's going, but Dr. Lurie, I don't think this is going to be interesting. I'm like, it's going to be interesting. It's Thomas blanking Jefferson. Come on. You know, so uh, they did do it. And he was a good guy. And he, you know, he went along with me, but um, fantastic to be able to touch that. You know, Jefferson was such a great writer, great letter writer, you know, and that was from his um, Poplar Forest summer home. And the desk came down in this family and I was able to trace it right there on set. They said, well, how do you know it's there? I said, I'm going to trace it right now with my cell phone. They're going, with your cell phone? You're going to be able to do this research? I said, yes, I am. Yeah. I got three degrees on this, baby. I can do this. <laughs> and I was able to trace it, you know, back all the way back to, you know, 1823 when he died. So what did it look was, like? What, what did it look it like? Was what was it? Heppel, it was Heppel White. It was a slant top. So the, the, the top came down. All right. You could write on it. It was somewhat you know, compact. Oh. It had some drawers. The back of it had a little bit of a problem with some chicken wire. <laughs> so the back of it had a little bit of damage that the the, the current owner had just sort of repaired a little bit kind of quick. Yeah. Um, but it was a beautiful piece and sold for, I, I think it was the highest valued piece on the show. So that was a wonderful, How much? that was a wonderful thing to see. I don't remember Un- if it went hundreds of thousands. or a hundred thousand. Okay. Yeah, it, went, it went pretty high. And it was uh, made out of a fine, solid oak hardwood, or what was it? You don't remember that. Uh, it was cherry. Ooh, it was Hep- of course. White. Ooh. Uh, Heppel White is the designer. And, uh, you know, it was, it was, you know, Thomas Jefferson had a little couple bucks, you know, so it was a nice piece. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So I'm curious now, when did the 16 thing evolve? How long did it last? And wh- what did you think about that? Were you already a big shot at that point? Or were you just, uh, you know, the whole W, our audience was, needs to know. My friend, Larry Lavelle, God rest his soul. Great guy. WNEP um, producer, Larry Lavelle. Fantastic guy. Just a darn fantastic guy. I was teaching a continuing ed class at Wilkes University. What year are and, we in now? Uh, 2000, yeah, yeah. early 2000s? 
Early 2000s, definitely. Okay, right. So I want to say it might have been 2000. Maybe it was just after September 11th. I don't think so. I think it was 2000 or so. And where were you um, living then? What were you doing for a living? Bucks County. I've lived in Bucks County since I uh, left Penn State teaching at Penn State. Okay, well, that was a pretty long commute then to get to uh, Wilkes. I mean, that's a 45-minute Yeah, but it was continuing in. You know what I mean? It was continuing in. So I do it a couple times in the semester kind of thing. And um, I was teaching. And then this is the time of the whole, hey, Antiques Roadshow is a big deal, right? Right. So it was, we've got our own Antiques Roadshow. And this woman, you know, Dr. Lori is here and she's teaching this class and you could participate in it. So um, Larry Lavelle comes to do a little story, does a little story, like a little segment for the news. And then he says, well, this would be great for Home and Backyard. Yeah, but being in the Lehigh Valley, did you even hear of WNEP or Home and Backyard? No, you had no knowledge of that, right? Or did, oh, maybe because of Wilkes, perhaps, right? Because of Wilkes, because, you right. know, NEP was that. And then in State College, of course, being at Penn you State, still pick that up, was, that was yeah. the 90s. You could still pick up NEP, yeah, but I didn't yeah. know NEP, no. This is when you blew up and everyone loved you and they wanted more of you, correct? Yes, this is when we meet, you and me. This is when we meet and you and I and Chris Barnes are in the backyard. Yeah. <laughs> Folks, you see the name she's throwing out here? Chris Barnes, big national artist, celebrity, been on Seinfeld, performs blues. Life, and, and Bonnie, the Bonnie Hunt. Life with I love Bonnie. Bonnie. We've yeah. had him on the podcast, you Sherman. This is the podcast of celebrities right here. That's what this is. And <laughs> oh, I still get, but I, I miss you ever since then. Well, have me back. What can I tell you? I mean, it's, it's a drive. I don't know. We got to drive. Now everybody's doing the all everything this way. I love it this way. I, I appear on many uh, stations around the country still uh, be, through, of course, this time period through uh, Zoom or uh, you know, live stream, streamed yard, whatever it might be. So, I'm kind yeah. of embracing Zoom, you know, otherwise this would have never happened. A lot of my guests now it's Zoom, Zoom. I couldn't imagine the days when people would actually get in their car, drive an hour, hour and a half and sit in the studio. Like why? Just sit at home. Well, we, I, I mean, we'd spend whole days doing that, right? I, I mean, I remember one day we were in the backyard. We had just done the backyard and then so I maybe we drove, you know, and I, you know, maybe we drove, I don't know, maybe we drove an hour and a half. I don't know what it was okay. from Bucks County. And then um, we'd be in the backyard and then we'd spend, I don't know, another hour and a half talking with you outside, right? Yeah. In, your, in your little cubicle, right? And you're doing yeah, yeah, something yeah. with the weather with all your computers, you know. And then we say, oh, we'll go to lunch. And then all of a sudden, the whole day shot. I know. <laughs> For a 6 a.m. hit. So, you know, but you a, lot told, fun, a lot of fun. You told me once back then that you thought uh, I was dysfunctional and I needed help. Did I? <laughs> kind of sounds like me, but I, I doubt I'd say that to your face because my Catholic mother would never like me to say something like that to anybody. She'd be I like, just made Lori. that up right now. <laughs> she'd, she'd do the Lori, Ann, what are you doing? You know, no. You All and right. I were quick friends, though. We were I know, I, because I just love smart, easygoing, fun people. And that's you. There's nothing uptight about you or pretentious. And that's what I love about you. That's very And that's your charm. That's why everyone loves you. And you're such a success. You can't be a fake or a phony or a pretentious boob in this world. No, you got to be who you are. Yes. Yeah. You, know? yep. you got that I used right. to say that to my kids, my students. I used to say, you know, you are who you are when you're eight. Let's go with that. Because, Ooh. you know, all this other stuff of trying to please other people is not going to work. I, you well, I like that. With what you are. We're all walking eight-year-olds. That's not a bad we theory. Are. Yeah, yeah. We are. It's a good theory. It's it's worked well for me. I always like pretty things. I've always liked to draw, even though I was lousy at it. You know, I always liked all that. I liked people. I like to hear their stories. 
Um, you know, I'm like you in a lot of ways, you know, you see, you see, oh, you know, you're curious about things. We're passionate. Um, That's the thing. Follow your passions, right? I think that's intelligence too, to basically say, okay, you don't want to, you don't think I should do that. Well, I know what I am and what I do. And I know what I do well. And I know what I'm lousy at too. Very good. I'm I'm completely impatient. Do not waste my time. I don't want to hear it. Me too. You know, know. (laughs) completely impatient. Um, you know, uh, you don't really want me to cook around you because I might burn stuff. I'm not good at that. I hate cooking. Hate it takes cooking. too long. I'd rather just have a sandwich and get it over with in two minutes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Throw the salad dressing on top of the greens and let's go. You know, and people would say, oh, she must like cooking because she's big. Well, no, I like the eating part, but I don't like the cooking part. <laughs> it's so much drama building up to it and put this there and move it over there and add that and boil this. Stop it. Just give me a chicken. Not my thing. But, end. but, but. Like the baking, I don't feel that way because then you get something sweet. And that I don't feel that way about baking, but the cooking okay, part, the right. meals, no. Yes. Well, Rachel Ray, you know, I've been known to say, you know, my my favorite makeup woman, uh, professional makeup artist went to Rachel Ray and left me. And I was mad because I was like, come on, you're going to Rachel Ray. She's younger than me. She doesn't need you. I need you. <laughs> you know, the makeup people are very important in TV. Is that right? Okay. I take your word for that. Well, you know that you're here, so I got to use you for a couple appraisals that I have here. You're going to like these. But before Big surprise, we, Joe. Big before, surprise. <laughs> before we do those, you're going to love what I have. Everybody uh, does this to me. You I know how many people do this to me? They throw hit. it at me. They go, you can do this. You can do this. <laughs> but is there anything that, um, because I think a lot of people are going to listen to this and watch this, and they're going to say, give me, you have the professional there. Give it to me. Tell me what I need to know. So you want to at least do that. Give, give people, if they have something, tips, backgrounds, everything they need to know, it's coming at you right now. Here we go. Okay. Right now you need to know that if your mother told you it was valuable, you should have kept it. And she's right. (laughs) You need to know fine art, furniture, precious metals, including jewelry are going to be valuable, even costume jewelry. You need to know what else you need to know that I will look at photos and I'm going to do this quickly. I will look at photos of your objects on my website, which is drlaurieV.com. No charge. I'll look at it. If it's not worth it, I'll tell you that. Plug you away, need- baby. Plug away. Yeah. It's all Dr. Lori V. That's all you have to remember. The YouTube channel is Dr. Lori V. The website's Dr. Lori V. The other thing is, and I'll answer whatever questions you have. The other thing. You no, need keep to going. Know I love it. Keep it going. Is connect condition is to antiques. What location is to real estate. It's got to be in good shape. If it's in lousy shape, leave it at the yard sale. Oh, Americans giving away the farm at thrift stores, yard sales, flea markets. They're giving away all the valuable stuff. You hear and those I, stories. Is it because I of feature them? Or? I feature them regularly on my real bargains where I tell this, I retell the stories of people who have found amazing stuff platinum and diamond necklaces that they got for a couple bucks at an estate sale. I'm telling you, people don't know what to look for. I'm telling you what to look for and how to tell because it's enough of this nonsense. We are wasting a lot of time, money, and very valuable pieces because we just don't know. Well, we all know I know, so I'm sharing that with you. But I would think the internet would have destroyed that. Now everyone can look stuff up. So if they haven't- Yeah, and you know what? A lot of it's wrong. This is the problem because what the internet did, there are two things that happened with the internet. The internet allowed everybody to put their stuff up, but there's a lot of these people who are not experts who are speaking like they are. So they're getting things wrong. I can't tell you how many appraisals I correct, you know, stuff that's not correct on the internet. You must find that in your work. Oh, I know. And I have friends who are doctors and 
They say oh. now that all their patients, they know more than the doctor that they visit because everyone just looks stuff up and then they don't even well, listen to the expert anymore because they already looked it up and it's a bad source. Right. And people don't think about what their source is. When I ask somebody, so what's your source for that appraised value? They go, oh, I don't know. I just went to Google. I, they don't know what website they clicked on. They don't know where they went. I said, well, then you don't even know who your source is. So that's really the situation with that. So I'm big on let's have some expertise because it's not like I'm sitting in this chair by magic. This was work. It was work at Penn State. It was jump through the hoops. It was, you know, go and you know, it was stalk your thesis advisor to get them to, to read the, the dissertation. Yeah, it was and- work. And you followed your passions and you're a smart, intellectual person. You got all this information. It's got to get out. It's got to get out. It's got to get out before I'm out. Linda, wants, to know, Linda wants me to ask you, uh, will okay. there be any antique furniture left in 10 years after Pinterest people uh, chalk paint at all? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question. <laughs> yeah. The DIYers, I have to give them a little bit of credit because many, many people who are DIYers or repurposers will come to me first and say, before I make this Chippendale side table into a, you know, a kid's, a kitty table or a kitty chair, you know, right. uh, tell me if this is actually worth something. So, yeah, I think there will be antique furniture. There is so much of it out there. But, it, you know, a couple things you just want to look for. You want to look for those solid hardwoods. You know, when I watch, when I've watched, I don't watch it really much now, but HGTV and somebody's taking, you know, MDF and they're putting it together. And, you know, you know, we got to start to stay away from the glued together sawdust. So. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of people are feeling very good. About so particle it. board, anything is bad. Particle board, anything. Yeah. Bad. yeah you know, <laughs> I have to say the, um, the stuff that really is uh, not of good quality materials. And I try to identify and show people how to tell quality materials. Cause once you know that you won't get rid of the junk, you know? Uh, but I think it's funny the way she phrased that with respect to yeah, right? you know, Pinterest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Debbie wants to know, uh, how does she get honest information about old dishes? You got to go to my website. How hard is it? There you go. <laughs> go to my website. I'll do it. I do it all day. This is what I do. You know, this is what I've said it many times. I have no kids. I'm not married. I have no hobbies. This is all I do. So send it to me. I'll These are your babies. All right. Go to Dr. Lori's site. Stanley has a good question here. I'm going to see your answer to this one. Have her appraise some uh, WNEP old memorabilia like Andy Palumbo. Whoa. Whoa. Come on. That's not funny. And and besides, he's not antique. He's only vintage. (laughs) (laughs) Got to be 100 to be an antique. Um, I will say that I have seen my fair share of WNEP memorabilia. Yeah. Uh, most of it in very good shape, which is very typical of Northeastern Pennsylvania. Certain parts of the country, they keep the stuff better than other parts. And I, I'm telling you that that candy bar is a true story. It was actually found in an in-home appraisal that I did. It was your that's candy bar. Funny. Yeah. Well, I guess so- someone has to have something. And here's of- one. I mean, that's a, that's a <laughs> memorabilia thing. Yeah, but doesn't, you know, I was joking before. If something attains elevated status, like let's say I did become the next um, uh, Al Roker, then stuff like that does go up because it'd be like, oh, here's when he was just a local meteorologist. Now he's national. And that does bring value to something like an old T-shirt or uh, yes, candy bar. That's exactly right? true. So celebrity value, celebrity status will increase value. The other thing about you is in Northeastern Pennsylvania, you already have that status. So 
No, but yeah, I was kidding. But I'm just saying, if I did become an axe murderer, or if I did become some type of national meteorologist, it does go all, up in value. Yes. Then all these yes. things would go up in value. So I yes. can create. And then that if you value. have a collection of your Joe Snedeker stuff, that goes up in value about ten percent every time you add a new Joe Snedeker piece to your collection. Oh, I see. All right. Yeah. All right. Now for my collection. Are you ready for this? They're all scientific things. Oh God! All right. <laughs> <laughs> and you can't I, give me a Monet for goodness' sake. I had a Renoir come into one of my events. Ooh, I drove from Rhode Island. I was appearing in Virginia and he drove from Rhode Island 10 hours to Virginia. He got it for 275 bucks. It was worth 2 million bucks. Well, 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 where did he get? And he said, he said, nobody, he said, I knew, I knew you would be the one who would know what it is. And it was a painting. It was a Renoir painting. It was gorgeous. But that's impressionism. That's impressionism, right? Impressionism, Renoir, yeah. Renoir, Monet, both painted. But there's so, but there's so many fakes. How? Well, that's a whole different subject. It wasn't. Well, this one wasn't a fake for many reasons. The the auction house had not taken it out of its frame when when we when basically when I when I said to the owner, let's take it out of the frame right there on the stage, taking it out of the frame, and it was actually signed, and there actually was an address on it of the World War One studio where. Uh, Renoir had stored all of his paintings during the war. I mean, amazing. The thing was amazing. But you must still sometimes, if people are really elaborate, they can fake out anything. If someone wants to- Yeah, that wasn't a fake. Yes, I've seen fakes and fakes are easy to identify because they'll always get the material wrong. Always. What do you mean the material? Well, you know, they'll use a Sharpie magic marker on a 19th century oh, for something, you know, and you can tell they'll get the materials wrong, but people don't think that they go, oh, it has a signature. It must be right. And that's I'm taking it. notes for my next fake. There you go. All OK, right. I hope so. <laughs> all right. So uh, my scientific collection on eBay, I got this, but it was legit. According to all the reviewers and everything, it is actual. Are you ready? Yeah. Woolly mammoth hair from okay. Siberia. All right. <laughs> From the Pleistocene era? You're not impressed, are you? Here's why I'm not impressed. It's the Pleistocene era, not period. So whoever put that little thing in there, it should have said era, not period. And I know you're going to say, well, that is kind of picky of you, Dr. Laurie. The other thing that that you could do is those things can easily. Oh, it is the period. It says period. And it was Pleistocene as a period. Yeah, but it should. But basically what, what could happen with respect to that piece, too, is that piece is part of natural history. I appraise objects that are man-made. So you have no interest so, in this? Well, it's not that I have no interest. I don't have a specialty in that. Okay. But you'd, there, have to go to, you'd have to go to a natural history person. The beauty of this is that there were woolly mammoths walking on this planet as little as four or 5,000 years ago. And a lot of them are frozen in Siberia. So I'm thinking right. in Russia, there's... You know, people have unscrupulous you, who just want to get rid of stuff for cheap amounts and they scrape some hair and send it to me in Pennsylvania. Here I am. I have holy mammoth there. What did you pay for it? I think bucks? it was like 10 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So a, a couple and the other. Well, I mean, and then this is what I mean about having having seen the world, you know, go and see it. You know, yeah. I'm not saying you're going to see a woolly mammoth, but go to Russia and see it. You know, you'd be surprised just to see how that is, what the place is like, how the people live. And that's when you really have an appreciation for the souvenirs, for the stuff that you bring home. Okay, yeah, that's so that's more, one, I, but that's that's. I'm half joking around. I know that's more of a souvenir than it is an ant. You know, that's well, it's a, it's it's a natural history thing. So I can't do it because I'm not a natural historian. I'm an art historian or antiques historian. Okay, well, that's my other two. Then we'll knock these off: trilobite and plant fossils that are common from the Carboniferous period here in Pennsylvania. 
Again. I, I have a lot of these things. Not, <laughs> so see, this you, is, usually these come in somewhere in that. Did you pay less than a hundred bucks for those? No, these are my finds. Those my are your finds. finds. Yeah, I have a lot of fossils uh, that I found. While you're riding your bike? Some of them, yeah. Why not? Oh, now see, oh. it tells a story now. So I know what you're doing. Now they have I know. Or while you're just hiking? Yes. With your kids who are supposed to be four? Because I remember <laughs> your kids when they were little tiny, and now they're all like in college or graduate school or something. My daughter's 22, 24, and my son is, yeah. So they're up there now. Wow. Wow. All right. Well, this one is all human. Right. Are so those ready? are what you found, but you're, you're more of it for you is probably the fact that you're connecting all the way back to that. And it's very similar. You're connecting back to that time period, those fossils and such, right? That's yeah. the same thing of what antique and vintage collectors do. It's just that they're not going back as far as you are and they're getting something that somebody made. Oh, I love it. That's deep. Yeah, that's 305 million <laughs> that's years deep. old. That's 305 million years old. Okay, this one I am serious about. So okay. here's my feeling. Do you think, I think in 500 years from now, no one's going to care about rock stars or celebrities or even perhaps um, famous engineers and scientists. They're going to say the most outstanding human being from our time was the first human being who walked on another world. And that was mm -hmm. Neil Armstrong. Mm -hmm. There, that's going to be remembered 10,000 years from now, the first human being to walk on another world outside of the earth. I want Neil Armstrong stuff and I can't get it. It's very have expensive. Have you met him? I have, have you not. met him? I have, I have met him. Oh. I'm, I met Neil Armstrong when I was six. <laughs> Ooh. Because at that time, he was making a tour with, Al, with Alan Shepard of all of the new elementary schools. And I was in a new elementary school outside of New Haven that, in fact, had was all the classrooms were named for the different for the different um, NASA projects. So there was Apollo and Friendship and Mercury and Gemini. That, yeah. and that's how our and he came to actually open the school. You Neil touched Armstrong him. was so tall. I'll never, I was a little girl. I was very oh. little. I was so tall and had a booming voice, but I was a little, really? kid, you know, really? yeah. Yeah. and, but you can get Neil Armstrong pieces. You saw them come onto the market, uh, July 20th of that, of that 50th anniversary, right? Yes. So 69 in, in 2019, it came up a lot. A lot of it came up. And then of course it, it's now tapered off. But the I problem with his, and he flooded the market, right? It's there's yes. just too much, right? Yes. At anniversary times, the values go up, and then right now would be a good time to buy the Neil Armstrong stuff oh. because you saw the spike in the market in 2019, and then of course now it comes down. So I would say you want to look in those estate sale online, and you want to look those estate sales online. You'd be very surprised, and you want to make sure that you're looking at places like NASA, a uh, NASA, excuse me, places like Huntsville, Alabama, or Houston. Because those people in those areas would typically have those pieces and have kept them from their parents. Oh, I see. Or how see about from Wapakoneta, where he is from? Right. Or, or right. Or there from where from his hometown. Sure. But typically, you're going to see most of that stuff come out of those places. But it's a treasure trove. Like you think about Oak Island, it's a treasure trove of treasure hunting. When you're looking online at some of these estate sales, you'd be shocked at the stuff that is, that goes up for um, online auctions and online estate sales. Yeah. So when we're off camera and I shut the recording off, can't you get me some Neil Armstrong stuff at a good price? Don't <laughs> tell anybody. I want uh, Neil Armstrong stuff. Come on. The I don't broker. I don't broker. 
I don't broker anything. And I've done that <laughs> in conflict of interest for years because people say, oh, well, you know, you could help me sell it and you could take a cut. So, I mean, I don't do that. And I do it. That's purposeful because you don't know who's going to really tell you the truth. You, I just gave you basically the keys to the castle, which is just these are the areas where you'll find it. And he was a college instructor. So I'm sure there's a lot of students out there that have his, you know, right. signature autographs and, and such. Yeah. All right. Well, I have Eddie Mitchell. This I bought on eBay. It's Eddie Mitchell. He was on Apollo 14. One of the uh, that's Apollo nice. 12. Yeah, three. So the third, he was the two, sixth man to walk on the moon. Value on that's about $125. Is that right? Because it has the yeah. postal mark, the post yep. stamp mark, and it's got everything. Of 71 there. from Cape yeah. Canaveral. Excellent. Yeah. I'd go 150 on that. Yeah. Ooh. You might be able to get 200 at the anniversary date. But how could this not be a fake? Because, I, you know, how do I know if it's a fake? Oh, that's not a fake for a couple of reasons. First of all, you'd look at the type of paper Ooh. and the autograph. The autograph, of course, you can tell a fake. A lot of people think it's easy to fake an autograph. But in fact, you can tell <laughs> you're just yours, buddy. You just throw it more closer to the camera. Yeah. Um, and I do most of these, of course, by video conferencing and also by photographs. You can tell a lot um, how it skips, whether or not your your hand moves. I tell a lot of people who can't identify a, um, a signature at the bottom of a painting. They say, I can't read the, the signature, right? They say, well, you try to write it. Try to write it yourself because there's, and you should know this, Mr. Scientist, you know, basically there's a connection in your brain to your hand and that will actually make you understand what letter forms they are when somebody just scribbles kind of thing. I so got, you yeah, got yeah. to sort of use other things, but that's a nice piece. I'd say $150 for that autograph easily. And the stamp on it makes it... Uh legit too right it's got the postal stamp. the postmark and the way the postmark is like the registration that the cancellation of the postmark is also authentic god i love it well I did you it. think it wasn't when you bought it no but i was doubtful you know i'm doubtful of everything on ebay i tend well, to I'm be, like that i'm, yeah, a, I'm, I'm a very skeptic. we're skeptics skeptic. we're skeptics we're science and art people we're skeptics but you got to be a skeptic because that's where when you're skeptical you actually will ask the right questions yes. i'm not one who asks a lot of questions I'm a statement person. I make a statement. Then if I'm if, if somebody has a question back to me, then I can answer it. But for the most part, I will say that when you're skeptical, when you just kind of go, really? And um, I, I think that comes from my father, because my father, of course, had to make sure that he got home in one piece from, you know, the Philippines and the Pacific Theater and World yeah. War II. So you got to be kind of skeptical. You know, you're coming onto those beachheads. You got to be a skeptic, like who's coming at me? <laughs> So I think I think that's where I got that little trait from. But, well, I think yeah. that's a good way to start the ending of this. Go through life being a skeptic. You, you don't want to live on the surface. You want to dig deep into everything and question everything. Science, yeah, because that's, that's how you'll find your passion. That's how you'll find truth, it. And truth. That's and how you'll find it. All right. Well, this has been a good hour with you, Dr. Lori. Uh, oh, if you would please plug whatever you want right now, and then we'll uh, end this. Uh, again, we can be uh, finding you just about everywhere, right? It's easy to find me at drlaurieV.com. My YouTube channel is there too, where you can participate with live streams and talk to me live, ask Dr. Lori live. That's also YouTube, Dr. Lori V. Um, but drlaurieV.com is where you can get me. I hope to see you again in the backyard and I wish you good continued success with your podcast. Say hello to all my friends at WNEP. And I love Northeastern Pennsylvania. I've been all over the world and I will tell you one thing I'll leave you with. And it is, as true as I'm sitting here, the nicest people in the world are in Northeastern Pennsylvania. Oh, my goodness. And you're not a patronizer. So this is honesty coming from you. True. It's absolutely true. Every single time. 
I can't tell you how many people have invited me. Come over for pierogies, kind of have a cup of tea, do this, <laughs> Northeastern Pennsylvania. And and sweet and nice and care about the things that are important in life. So oh man. Yeah. Is that a nice. good ending or what? You are the best. Thanks for saying that. Thanks for your time. And uh those are true words you speak, babes. It's true. Take care of yourself, honey. You too. Thank you. Curiosity. What are you so curious about? Everything, Mr. Curiosity.